0: hello and welcome to another episode of decode your burnout with me dr sharon grossman and i am so jazzed because today i have bridget Memari here who is a former attorney who retired after burning out now she's focused on being a mom to her kids healing, functional burnout, and others through her alignment coaching and through her own healing journey. She's found ways to have multiple businesses without burning out. She is going to talk to us all about this idea of balance between masculine and feminine energies. So without further ado, Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that nice introduction. Yeah. Well, you know, I am totally interested in this idea of energy, and I don't think enough people are really talking about this concept of masculine energy. So uh, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but I'm super excited. That's why I bring it up. But let's first take a step back and have you tell us your story as a lawyer. What happened that you ended up burning out? Let's start with that.
1: Sure, yeah, and I love I'm excited to talk to you about my experience and perspective on that masculine energy. But going back, if I'm gonna tell you my story, I really gotta go back to um, it's that twenty one year old girl who chose the legal career, the legal profession. So I grew up in a very um you know middle class family. We were not poor, but we didn't have a you know a lot of extras or nice things. And that, um, that feeling of scarcity and um, also the uh, need to be hyper-independent was instilled in me. I mean, I, ha- I came from an intact home. You know, there's I think there's many of us out there that we're in the same boat. You know, our household, our upbringing was good, good enough, right? There's nothing majorly off or traumatic about it. But I had that, that definitely had that um, scarcity lack mindset and the need to um, to achieve and establish my worthiness by doing things, and my my worthiness absolutely was wrapped up in doing and achieving, as opposed to just I'm here being. And I intentionally, consciously chose my legal career out of that scarcity mindset and the need to be hyper independent. I can specifically recall thinking to myself, I need to choose a career that I will make a lot of money because I like nice things and I want to have, I want to be comfortable and I don't want to feel like this for the the next 60 years. And to make sure that I never have to depend on anyone that I can take care of myself. I will be self-sufficient. And yes, the, um, the legal, you know, career of law fit perfectly into my strengths and gifts of, you know, I'm an avid reader, I'm a I became a litigator. So like public speaking, just a natural presence, like that was all great and fine. So it's not like I was trying to force myself into like math or science, which would have been a disaster. So I absolutely loved my my job. I loved my career, but it also played right into the hands of burnout, where that need to achieve and go and go and go just, you know, continued to pervade. Um, and so, as a young lawyer working in a in a law firm in a litigation law firm, the mindset, the fixed mindset of lawyers is notorious. Number one, I'm married to a lawyer as well, <laughs> so um, it's it's around me that you you know chain yourself to a desk, the billable hour, you live and die by the billable hour you you prove yourself by staying later than everybody else getting there earlier than everybody else being accessible and when my in early in my legal career um, iPhones weren't even a thing it was the blackberry right so it was like you you weren't necessi- you were, it was just the beginning of that of that 24/7 accessibility with technology and um, you know 10 years into it though it was a 24/7 accessibility so whether you were chained at your desk or and about you were always working and that was rewarded that was uh, encouraged and that's how you worked your way up and then about uh, 10 years into that career i was sought out by a um, uh, a corporation to become their general counsel and by all accounts is a unicorn job right i had banker's hours you paid a higher salary all the things i had a wonderful boss who was a great mentor and But what I did was transfer that energy to that job of needing to prove myself, be accessible, no boundaries. And in my mind, looking back now, I can see that I was feeling that uh, if they're going to pay me this much money and I'm not working as hard as I did before, then I have to find a way to compensate for that, which meant making myself overly available, that I was just, you know, Oh, my boss wakes up at 4 a.m. Then I need to respond to emails at 4 a.m. He didn't ask me to do that. That was me. that was me, just transferring that same mindset and that, that need to prove myself to um, you know at all costs, just be achieve you know achieving and doing at all costs. And um, at that juncture, I act, when I started having my I have four children, and I have I had my two babies when I was general counsel. And I was actually introduced to a network marketing opportunity. And I, of course, my type AA personality, I took that on and I ran with it. I was super successful. I, I earned a Cadillac with that company, like on that level. But all I did again was transfer the same energy and mindset to another opportunity, right? So then after I earned the car, I was like, here I am again. Like that, this feels like I have a hangover. Like what's happening? Like that's when my eyes started um, opening up. And I actually, with my fourth child, my son had a near death experience uh, when I had had him, um, I had, I developed, it's called acute fatty liver pregnancy. It's a fatal liver syndrome that you develop at the end of your pregnancy. And I didn't know it at the time, but about a year after that, when I started processing all that, that's when I really realized like, I can't keep doing this. Like I can't keep doing all of these things. And then I was able to go part-time in my legal career. And then eventually in 2020, I retired. And that's when I really had the perspective of the burnout and realized that I was living in functional burnout for all of those years. I could give you a laundry list of health issues. (laughs) The the, um, fatal liver syndrome was just the last one. That was God finally saying, girl, I've been trying to get your attention for a very long time and you have not been listening and so um, at that point, it was like, okay, there's a different way to live and there's a different way to be successful, meaning successful, I'm doing my air quotes, you know, like, what does that even mean? What does that look like? What do you want your life to look like? And, um, you know, how can you, how can you do this differently? So that's where I am today, where I realized that I can have all of those things and through my coaching practice, I really focus on the alignment piece where you're really focused on that quality of life and that balance that you talk to. But it really, it required me to take a hard look at what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, what are my priorities. And then I had to educate myself on that masculine and feminine energy balance. And then once I, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? It's like, Oh, I can see it all now. <laughs> it's so obvious, but when you're in the thick of it, it's not obvious. You know, you're just doing, you're on a hamster wheel and you don't know any different and you don't, you don't see that there are other options. If that yeah. makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. So there are so many things that you just said that I think apply to the majority of people who are struggling with burnout and in mm-hmm. fact, one of the things we know is that compulsion to prove yourself is the beginning of your journal, Bernie. Sorry, yes. I said that wrong. Your yeah. burnout, your burnout <laughs> journey, um, right? So it starts with this need to prove yourself. And it's exactly because of the things that you said, because you don't believe that you are worthy and that there is that need to show something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And there's also... This other piece, which I don't think people talk about as much, but I think is just as relevant and I've heard it a few times, which is when you do get that that break finally, and somebody gives you more pay for less hours, all of a sudden there's this whole other level of need to prove not that I can do it, but now I have to just earn my keep, right? It's this concept of I can never really slow down. I don't deserve to make this much money unless Mm -hmm. I do more, more, more. And that is another version of the same thing. Absolutely. It absolutely is. I was not
1: uh, wired or coded to believe that I was worthy enough to receive that level of compensation without, I'm a very, um, what I've also come to learn about myself is that I'm very addicted to a struggle story. Everything has to be hard in order for the outcome. And I have to really be mindful of that in my, even in my coaching business, that I don't need to work, you know, 80 hours a week in order to be compensated at a high level. I've had to really do a lot of deep inner work around that so that I've can. i come to understand and believe on a cellular level that I am worthy to receive this level of abundance without having to work really hard. I always have to check myself on that struggle story.
0: Yeah. And it's partly because as you were talking about your upbringing, there is a little bit of programming there that has shaped a lot of the way that you show up. Right. And that is that scarcity mindset that comes from early on. And um, you also interestingly talked about this hyper independence and the need to have both of those things, which fit beautifully with the legal profession. And perhaps if you didn't have the need to prove yourself, it would have worked out. Correct.
1: I would have um, had come up. I always feel like we can make a lot of choices in life that, could lead us in different directions. It's all about the energy behind the actions, right? The energy with yes. which we're doing it, right? So if I was going about this legal profession, my career, which by the way, I absolutely loved and was very successful at, but if I had a different um, mindset around it and energy behind it, yes, absolutely. You know, that that culture is, it would be very difficult maybe to, um, you know, overcome other people's expectations, but the more you're in alignment then you're able to not only formulate your boundaries appropriately, but actually maintain them. And I was a, you know, I was a, a, a young girl in my, or, you know, at that phase of my life in my early twenties, I, in mid twenties, I absolutely was a girl <laughs> compared to <laughs> where I, you know, where I am now. And that wouldn't be a, that would be a tall order to be able to maintain those boundaries, but I see a younger generation doing it right. They're doing it. They're, they're figuring out their boundaries and, What they want out of life and their priorities. So, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Could have been, it could have been
0: different. Could have been different. But thankfully, you found something else that allows you to have more abundance and. Uh, also allows you to be really hyper independent as an entrepreneur. So, yes. you, and, and I think that's an important message for people who are wondering about their career and they're burned out. I think what what we're saying is that there isn't one right answer. That it's sometimes it's about just showing up differently to the work that you're already doing, especially if it's a it's work that you're passionate about and that fits with your values. That sometimes it's just about that. Is showing up differently is gonna make a big difference. And other times it's about saying, like, if it's not aligned with you in terms of your values, or if, or even if it is, it doesn't mean that you can't find something else that also could be. Right. So Absolutely. there's so many different variations out there. So and it's, many options. Yes. Yeah. It's, and sometimes, like you said, it's not a matter, you don't have to just throw the
1: baby out with the bath water and say, oh, I, I, this was not for me, scrap it, start all over. Some people are desperate to do that and some people aren't. And that's all okay. So Sometimes it's just that little shift, that little like perspective shift. Like if you could just turn like this way, you know, two degrees to the right, everything would feel different, flow different. And it's just a matter of that self-awareness piece is really huge. Where This is where a lot of times you especially if you're in a functional burnout, you're just going, 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 going. And you really probably could keep going for another decade It's just, you know, you're going to have a lot of fallout with health and otherwise. But if you could take that time, intentional time to slow down long enough to assess, honestly assess your situation. And sometimes that requires you getting real with yourself about how'd you get here? What's working, what's not working. And what do we, what can I do about it?
0: Yeah. Great questions. So so we have this programming that kind of set you on this path. We also have a certain personality that you bring forth, which is the doer personality who's go, uh-huh. go, go. Really unrelenting standards around uh, how much you put in and really not checking in with what you need, but more so about external expectations. And that certainly is a recipe for burnout, but where you ended your story was, you were talking about this alignment of energy. So for people who aren't aware of what that means, fill us in.
1: On the, the energy
0: piece. Yes.
1: Yes. So what I came to realize when I was having these real talks with myself and, and educating myself on a different, um, uh, almost like a whole different universe, you know, when I think back about, I mean, lawyers are notorious for having fixed mindsets, right? It's like old school, like this is the way you do things and there are no other alternatives and those other alternatives are weak, you know, this is how you do it. And so when I started to really delve into the personal development world and taking those uh, hard assessments of myself, I... Came to understand and know that there, you know, there's masculine energy and there's feminine energy, and the masculine energy is the doer, right? It's the rational, the logical, it's the predictable, and I, and my personality is, and on a nervous system level, I crave stability and security. I am a, you know, a naturally anxious person, and I need things to be in a certain order to feel safe. And that goes back. Also, back into you know my childhood and that twenty-one-year-old girl, right? It's like yes, the hyper independence and the scarcity uh, fuels that need for me to find safety anywhere that I can, right? And so that's where that masculine comes from—is seeking that uh, a, sh- a sure thing. What what can I depend on? And again, the doer, you know, the masculine at its essence is the provider right and the feminine energy is the rec- is the receiver and it was very difficult for like i illustrated with you know my journal counsel job for me just to receive you know this level of compensation or this level of abundance without having to counterbalance it with all this masculine energy of doing 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 proving showing and once i realized that it was a huge eye opener but that's just the very first baby step, because then it's like, what do you do about this? Right. How do you first of all, like, oh, wow, these two things exist and they exist in every one of us. All of us have both energies. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. We all have the de- uh, divine, feminine and masculine energies, and we need them both. We absolutely need both. And each situation might call for a different blend of the two. It's a matter of you being that uh, self-aware, that attunement where you're like, what what needs to happen here? What works for me? And the goal is not to eradicate the masculine energy. We need masculine energy to get things done. So like when you're making a to-do list, like that's your masculine and like, Hey, I need to actually get these things done because bills have to be paid, or I need to return these calls in order for my business to be successful. But again, it's creating like maybe a container of like, I, I love time blocking. I talk about time blocking all the time as like a, a tool for uh, alignment and productivity, but how do you, uh, and and not burning out. It's like creating that actual time block, like between nine and 10, I'm going to do this. That's a masculine structure, but you can be doing a more of a feminine energy task within that structure. So you, we need both, right? They flow together. And once I realized that's like, okay, well, how do I heal those parts of me that are so so tied to the masculine and living heavily in my masculine energy. And it has taken, you know, a process of hiring my own coaches and mentors and doing a lot of inner work and a lot of healing to, for me to feel safe and relax into and that trust and faith that I can be in my feminine energy and things are still going to flow. And actually they flow better when I am balanced, right. With my masculine and feminine, because what happens is in that masculine, we get a tight grip, like a death grip on whatever it is we're doing. And we're actually like either choking it out, or you're blocking the exact abundance or uh, exact uh, thing that you're hoping or desiring, you're blocking it because you're so tight, you know, as opposed to opening, softening into that feminine energy so that you can receive it.
0: So if you were to go back and talk to your younger self, who was working as a lawyer Knowing what you know now about this idea of feminine and masculine energy, how, what would you say to her in terms of how she can be more in alignment and have more balance with regards to that feminine energy? There would be a lot of,
1: you know, uh, self-talk and dialogue around compassion for yourself. Because really and truly, if I look back at my upbringing, my parents did not, They my parents were not the ones to say, you need to get the A whatever in order for us to love you. Or, you know, where I have a lot of clients that they came home with a 90 and the question was, why didn't you get the 95, right? Yeah. That didn't happen in my house. It was a lot of self-imposed mm-hmm. um. <laughs> exacting standards and expectations. I am my own, uh, harshest, worst critic. Right. So there would be a conversation now as my 43 year old self to my 23 year old self would be like, you know, have some compassion, you know, give yourself a break. It's okay. It is, you are safe to just be relaxed. You don't owe the, you know, you don't owe these people anything, but also like you know, it's the compassion piece. And that for me, for the last two years has been some of my biggest work is learning to have compassion for myself, because it was me driving myself, right? No one else was necessarily putting these expectations on me, I was putting them on myself, because my worthiness, again, was tied up in doing and achieving and, you know, showing these things as opposed to, I just love myself for me. And that's really what it boils down to. And that's what I would be telling her.
0: And it's important, I think, also for people listening, because we have people who are people pleasers, and they give a lot of their time and energy away. I, I have a friend who's a people pleaser, who feels uncomfortable being celebrated, who, when she gets a bonus from her job, has a hard time cashing the check. What would you say to people who are out of alignment from that perspective.
1: Yeah. So boundaries and people pleasing is a huge component of burnout. And there are the people who are the obvious people pleasers, like you just described your friend. And what I, in my experience as a coach is that most people, I find that have that category of people pleasing really comes down to, um, you know, a worthiness issue of believing that they're worthy to actually receive that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have another category of people that I actually fall into myself, which is the covert people pleaser, which on a surface level on paper, by all accounts, you'd be like, that girl is not a people pleaser. Like she has her, you know, you know what together, she's a tough customer. She doesn't take crap off anybody. And if anybody had told me, two years ago, five years ago that I was a people pleaser, I would be like, you don't know me. Like I would not, you know, like I'm not a doormat. I don't, you know, I know my own mind. I have no problem speaking my own mind. However, when you dig a little bit deeper, that covert people pleaser, and I find that many people who tend to live in their masculine and they're prone and susceptible to burnout, it's because they are covert people pleasers. That they, on some level, that they're, um, you know, wanting to acquiesce to other people's expectations and demands. And it's actually because you are trying to control. And it also goes hand in hand hand with people who have control issues, which, hello, that's me, like, you know, like the the type A, like control freak, the control freak usually is a covert people pleaser, because what you're actually doing, when you are trying to um, uh, have other people's approval, you have a, a, you know, a strong need for approval is you're actually trying to control that other person's perception of you. Yes. That's what it boils down to. And so what I I had that, I like my eyes, you know, like biggest saucers and I've seen it. And so many of my clients are like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, that's actually what you're doing. It's like, if I can control the situation, if I can control what this person thinks of me, then I'm safe. I feel good about me, right? Yeah. Cuz boundaries are not actually meant you know, really important. My mentor told me this and it was like life-changing information and I make sure I impart it to everyone I can <laughs> and boundaries you know are not meant to control other people. They are meant to keep yourself safe and protected. So like you know where your line is, right? And so uh, when we don't have the boundaries is because we are trying to um we're not contr- we're not trying to overtly control that other person by saying like, I'm not okay with that, but it's, I am trying to control the situation. And I'm trying to control your perception of me. That's, right. that's it. I mean, that's what it boils boils down to. So, you know, people pleasing can shape shift, right. It can look like a lot of different things and it can show up in different ways, but it's that, um, you know, energetic boundaries is a huge component of that too, right. Of not having that was really my issue is like on, the surface level, I could say like, I'm not available for X, Y, Z, but under the current, it was like, and I'm an empath. So at the same time, I had an issue with, if I set a boundary or I told you no, or I didn't do what you wanted me to do, I can actually feel your disappointment. And so it was like a double whammy. So it was like, well, I'll just, you know, you know, oh, that was the phrase of, you know, if there, you want something done, give it to the busiest person in the room. Right. Well, that was me. I was like, I'll just, everyone was like, Bridget will do it. Bridget will do it and she can do it fast and she can do it well. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. 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 And then, and also what the other fallout piece of that is resentment, right? When yes. you are taking on all this stuff, then what happens usually is resentment starts to build very quickly, but then you just stuff that down. <laughs> you don't actually tell the person that you're simple or it might explode in an ugly way. Right. But then, if you're just stuffing it down, what happens? You continue to suffer. Your health suffers, and and then the burnout just perpetuates itself. Hundred percent.
0: And what's so amazing about what you just said about this whole idea of covert people pleasing is that you know typically on this on the show, I talk about the people who are feelers are your people pleasers. But it's also a really good point that people who are the thinkers and are your perfectionists that is exactly an example of a covert people pleaser because perfectionism is all Mm -hmm. about getting that acceptance from others and trying to control that perception so thank you for bringing that whole new angle in. i think that is an important piece to to look at and um in a similar way the doer is the person who's doing all the stuff in order to prove their worth they're also seeking that same sort of acceptance from others mm-hmm. and wanting to so in in a sense everybody is a people pleaser who everybody's is, prone to it yeah you know they're whether not, you're a thinker a feeler or a doer there's a version of people pleasing mm-hmm. that's probably happening and it's Uh, at the very least, a lack of boundaries, we can say. So, So that's really important. So I know you have some tips for us. You've done a lot of work on yourself to get into alignment. And now you're helping other people through your coaching do the same. So if somebody is really resonating with your story, and they are truly out of alignment, they are maybe working too much and feeling that compulsion to prove themselves. What would you say that can help them? in the very first place, the first step is that
1: radical self-awareness, right? And the next, the other counterpart to that is also a radical, um, self, uh, self-acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, you really need to get that clarity, that clarity and awareness, and that requires intentionality. So that's something that a lot of times, um, people don't, Want to make the time for? Because also it can be a little bit of a pain point, right? To actually like stop and say, "Hey, how did I get here?" You know, <laughs> you know, and what what part, what part have I played in getting myself here? Right. So getting that clarity and awareness of how you got here, and then the then the natural next step from that is that clarity of desire and what you want your ideal life to look like. And again, especially for women because I, you know, I am a woman, I coach, or I only coach women, but I see this over and over again, is you don't even make the time or the space to know what it is that you actually want out of life, right? So you were talking about earlier, uh, maybe you, you are happy with your job, you just need to make a little, you make some adjustments or shifts, or maybe you think this is not for me, I don't have this passion piece anymore. But no one stops to take the time to actually make that examination and have that analysis and take that time so i i actually have my my clients do a life audit i have every one of my clients do this life audit which forces you (laughs) to take the time to gain that clarity of desire and what you want your ideal life to look like on a very granular level
0: beautiful so once we have that once we've done that life audit we have the clarity what's next so the, the next step,
1: and again, the you'll see the underlying theme here is that you've got to be very intentional. You have to make choices that you no longer want to live the way that you're living in this burnout piece, or that you can feel it coming. You're tired of putting out all the fires. You're tired of just reacting mm-hmm. instead of being a lead character, you know, in your own show here, just so practicing radical self-care. Um, in self-care, I, I have, I've had a couple of reels that on Instagram that have gone crazy because it just hit the nail on the head of like, we, as women, a lot of times we're conditioned to think that self-care means like getting your hair done or your nails done. Like I, I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> you always, you know, you'll always find me doing those things, but radical self-care really means like practices like meditation. Um, you know, other alignment practices and that can look and feel different for different people. Maybe that's yoga. Maybe that's, um, you know, doing, uh, somatic work. Maybe that's, you know, going on retreats that can look and feel differently for all kinds of people. And then the time blocking that I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. and while that seems might seem a little odd when you're like self-care our calendars control us. We, if we're not careful, we are living and dying by our calendars, by everyone else's expectations on us, our schedule will choke us to death if we're not intentional about it. So the practice of time blocking actually allows you to turn that on its head. And you are being very intentional about the time that you are spending what you're doing, how much time you're doing it. Getting away from this idea that multitasking is a good thing and you know, getting very intentional and focused on what you're doing. And when you have that clarity of desire about what you want your life to look like, then time blocking can come in and be very a very good instrument and a tool for you to see, hey, am I actually doing is my day actually consist of the things that will lead me towards this alignment or that lead me to where I want to go? Because when you start getting in alignment and you have that clarity of desire, you can start to say no, of course, here we go with boundaries, <laughs> you know, so it's all interwoven, but you can start to say no to things that don't serve you, that aren't leading you in that direction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then last, of course, is balancing the masculine feminine energies, which in my experience is the, you know, educating yourself on it, being aware of it, but then also it usually requires a lot of uh, healing work to be able to ascertain what is that root cause that I, that I feel the need to live in my masculine energy or be imbalanced and getting to a lot, you know, inner child work, whatever that may look like for you.
0: Yeah. So in a nutshell, it's about being really intentional, Mm -hmm. which allows you to maybe question, why am I doing what I'm doing? And maybe from that place, you can start to do less and have more abundance without having to be in perpetual motion. Absolutely.
1: Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. And when things start to shift, you gain that initial awareness of like, this is the landscape. And then in real time, this is like where the magic starts happening. It's like when you're making these choices and you're living your life and you realize, hey. I'm doing it again. Or like, why am I doing this? Like I just said yes to something and I didn't really want to It's Mm -hmm. like listening to your own body, like that intuition piece and that ping, you're like, "Hmm, Oh, wait a minute. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that's where compassion comes in big time too, of like not beating yourself up about it. But then it's like, well, next time I'll be prepared. And next time, how could I do this differently? You know, all those baby steps in the going in the right direction.
0: Beautifully put Bridget, if somebody is interested in p- potentially working with you or checking out some of your work, where should they go?
1: The easiest way to find me is on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is my name.
0: It's just at Bridget Mameri. Super simple. Easy breezy. Wonderful. Yep. Love it. Yep. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on. I think you've provided so much food for thought for all of our thinkers, feelers, and doers. Um, And for sure, if you're listening to this, regardless of what your personality code, of course, our goal here is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience and that by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. I would love it if you could help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify, and leaving us a review so that I can know what it is that you think, feel or do differently as a result of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave a comment or questions for us to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone that you know that's struggling with burnout we are better together. And of course, if you are ready to take the next step with me to decode your burnout, go to decodeyourburnout.com. I will see you right back here next week.